you would, please open up with me in your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 1. Zechariah 1, we've, if you recall, we have uh, had an introduction at least, uh, verses 1 through 6, before our uh, Easter escapades, right, where we transitioned over to Mark uh, for a moment. And so just to remind you as you're opening up to Zechariah 1, we are in a sermon series that has brought us through uh, the shorter uh, book of Haggai, and now we find ourselves in Zechariah uh, with the title of Homecoming and Heart Checks, Serving God in the Present. Uh, there is here uh, in Zechariah's, as we had seen in Haggai, uh, a homecoming. The people of God are home. They made it. Uh, they have been in uh, captivity for 70 years, and they are back. They made it home. And yet, they also need a heart check. Because, as people are, including ourselves, they have allowed some sin to creep in. And so with this homecoming is, is a heart check. And, and the heart check is this. Will you serve God right here, right now, no matter your circumstance? Do you need it to be the way you want it to be in your mind? Or will you serve God because he is God? And that is what he is calling you to do. Will you worship and praise him? And, and as we see, as we saw in Haggai, as we will see in Zechariah, as we say yes because of what the Lord is doing, there is much comfort and peace and hope and joy and all of those things that, uh, isn't it, isn't it um, it's ironic that that's what we pursue when we turn our eyes away from the Lord, and yet that is exactly what we get when we turn our eyes upon him. So, as we look here to Zechariah chapter 1, verses 7 through 17, with these things in mind, our main point is this. God's work reveals his love for his people. Let's pray. We'll read God's word. O oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, bless the reading of this word. This is a, a holy infallible, inerrant truth and word here. So God bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 7. On the 24th day of the 11th month, which is the month of Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Edo, saying, I saw in the night, and behold, a man riding on a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in the glen, and behind him were red, sorrel, and white horses. Then I said, What are these, my lord? The angel who talked with me said to me, I will show you what they are. So the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered, uh, these are they whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. And they answered the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees and said, We have patrolled the earth, and behold, all the earth remains at rest. Then the angel of the Lord said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you have no mercy on Jerusalem and the cities of Judah against which you have been angry? These 70 years. And the Lord answered gracious and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. So the angel who talked with me said to me, 
cry out. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion. And I am exceedingly angry with the nations that are at ease. For while I was angry but a little, they furthered the disaster. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I have returned to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, declares the Lord of hosts, and the measuring line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. Cry out again, thus says the Lord of hosts, my cities shall again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord, this word, it remains. And praise be to God for it, for it is powerful to save and powerful for us, even today, even in the 21st century. Now, remember this main point, that God's work reveals his love for his people. I know that as perhaps you are hearing God's word just now, you're thinking, here we go. This is like a series in Revelation, and I didn't even know it. Zechariah, he snuck one in on us. How are we ever going to get to something that I can take home, something that I can hold fast to when we're talking about horsemen in the myrtle trees and stuff like that? Stick with it, and you will see as we focus in on the reality of this word that God's work reveals his love. Let's see it then in four, uh, three points, rather. God's work is revealed, very important. Number two, the scope of God's work is all-encompassing. And then number three, God's work is one of comfort to his people. So first then, in verses 7 through 9, we see God's work revealed. In my introduction to philosophy at UT in Knoxville, so philosophy 110 or 101, whatever the, the basic 100 level uh, a class was, our professor asked the famous question, if a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, did it make a sound? Of course, you had certain individuals who would raise their hands and say, of course it made a sound. If a tree falls, the sound waves go, and it doesn't matter if no one is there to hear it, it is the reality that there was sound course then it's a philosophy class right and so there's always another person who said well but what do you mean because yeah it might have made a sound but there was no effect whatsoever therefore you can't define it as actually happening right nobody heard it and so it had no effect therefore no sound right this kind of action basing and then of course the professor's like ha ha he he right and doing the thing right y'all I mean y'all can envision it perhaps I see some college students those going in you see it, right? It happens. It happens. Maybe some of y'all remember that or other teachers or uh, events like that to kind of, you think, well, there is a right answer, I think, but what are we doing, you know, and, and, and what, does this, what does this mean? Well, uh, there's actually a pretty strong point to be seen there because, uh, because as, God, as God is doing a work, if it is not revealed, if we don't see what it is that he's doing, then there is no effect for us. And so there could be a work of God. We don't have to see something for it to happen, all right? It does make a sound, okay? It does, right? But, but there is also a strong point for the effect, right? 
Because a sound heard is truly a sound in the identification. And so as God is working, as God is revealing a work, there is a moment where uh, he is extending uh, his revelation to his people, which that very essence shows his love. Because if he didn't do that, we cannot come to him. We could never find him. We could never get to him. We can never bridge the gap to him. We can't climb Jacob's ladder without the ladder that God provides, right? We just can't make it, and yet God extends and reveals. You see it in some easy ways here. Verse 7, the word of the Lord came. Right? It came to Zechariah. Verse 8, I saw in the night. So not only does a word come, now Zechariah is seeing something that he is conveying to God's people. And then verse 9, when, as you might do, you notice some horsemen in the glen and you say, um, what's going on? Well, you know, what's the deal with this, right? What does the angel say in verse 9? I will show you. I will show you. The word of the Lord came. I saw it in the night. I will show you. God's work reveals his love for his people and and the very nature of that built into that is purposeful revealing without the revelation we do not see God's work we'll get back to the horses in a second but before we get there as we're thinking about what does this mean for us uh, it might be it might be a little bit more simple to draw it into an application uh, why do you read the Bible let me take that back. Do you read the Bible? Do you read the Bible? If so, why? Write it down if you have a pencil. Think about it in your head. Why do you read the Bible? You know the gospel, right? If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus. Why then would we read God's word? The answer is that God's work is revealed there. And that that work is not just all-encompassing for a salvation point, right? I believe in the Lord Jesus, point. It's a point in time where we are now tipped in the scales and God has, has uh, seen the Lord Jesus in us and not our work. And so in that moment we are justified, but that's a point. Now there is a life to be lived. And within that life, there is a reality that God is revealing over and over and over his work and how we might move forward, glorifying his name and doing that which is right, walking on the wise path, to use the Proverbs video devotionals that we've been walking through so diligently together. God is revealing to us how we move forward in life uh, it is, it is the, only, uh, the only perfect rule for faith and practice is what sometimes you hear uh, a minister say about God's word. The, the only rule, the only perfect rule for, for faith, that is how to be saved and, and, for, and for how to live, for practice, for, for how to move forward in the salvation. There is revelation there. And so that question, do you read God's word? And if so, Why? There's a lot of reasons why. A ton. I'm sure that many of you probably had some great answers, right? Uh, I'm, I'm fearful. I'm hurting. Uh, I, I need the Lord. You know, I, I want a deeper relationship with God. There are all these different ways that we can see uh, why it is we read. But underneath all of that is that this is God 
revealing a work. That's the underlying foundation of the Bible. Why should we read it? It's because God is extending something to us. And if God extends something to us, it would be wise for us to pay attention to it. God's work reveals his love for his people. And, and revealing that is his first work, a powerful one, one that goes unnoticed. We would usually skip verses 7 and 8, uh, thinking about the horses. We would usually skip the reality that the word came and that the word is revealed. Second, the scope of God's work is all-encompassing. This is verse 10, but remember, we can't leave the horses behind too much, and so we'll get a little bit of verse 8 and a little bit of verse 9. Zechariah sees four horsemen, okay? Uh, no denying it. Here's some horsemen. What in the world's going on? The scope, though, is what we need to be focusing on. The scope of God's work is not found in the agents, that is, the horsemen and what they represent. Rather, the scope is found in verse 10. So the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered, These are they whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. Weston patrolled the church. Took him a little while. He did it. Might take him longer to do the whole earth, right? The scope is bigger. It's, it's all-encompassing. In other words, undoable by anyone other than God to patrol the earth. Now... God's love for his people is revealed in this all-encompassing nature of work in two ways. God sent the patrollers in the first place. And as God sends the patrollers, he is, by virtue, receiving report. Here's that reality. If you wanted to think about it in this way. Um, for, God, for God to, again, reveal himself... He sends out these patrollers, these four horsemen. Zechariah spots these four horsemen. Whether or not, you, uh, uh, whether or not we come down on the interpretation that, that these are literal, literal horsemen in the grove that are literally flying or running throughout the world, or whether we are uh, seeing those as an interpretation of angels going about in speedy fashion, right, on horses, uh, kind of in speedy fashion to go around and patrol. However we want to interpret these, uh, these horsemen, the, the reality that God would reveal it in such a way uh, is already in and of itself uh, very gracious. Because think about it. I mentioned it to Weston. God already knows all things. I prayed about it in the beginning. God's already present everywhere. Why does he need horsemen? Why does he need the angels to go patrol? If not, that he might reveal to us in another way that he is doing such things. If not to reveal to us the reality that it is happening. Really, look at them. These horsemen are patrolling the earth. I'm telling you this. We already knew that, though. God is everywhere, but I am showing it to you yet again because God, remember, is revealing this work, and this work is all-encompassing. And because of that, and think about this, patrolling in and of itself is, is this military-type language. In other words, uh, a, a general uh, seated at his military desk, right, far off of the front lines, has his patrol men, right, and they come and they say, X, Y, Z, enemy is placed here. A, B, C, they have withdrawn. Uh, uh, 
element uh, OP right here is where we might move forward. We need to do a little bit more scouting, okay? And this master general now has a full array on the table to see how we might move forward. The whole earth now is being patrolled, and God, though this illustration should not be taken too far, God, the master general, is moving his kingdom forward. There is a patrol happening, and it's not just a patrol where the information is kept close. This patrol is being delivered, and we saw that delivery. The earth is at rest. We'll get there. We'll get there, but, but this is the point here about God's all-encompassing work about his patrol going out. I know that we so desperately want to focus on the horses and the color of the horses. For instance, in the ESV wire, there are two reds, right? And when you look at the Hebrew, it's a little bit more distinguished, and there are some nuances. If you're, if you're equestrians, I'm sure that y'all know what I mean, okay? Horse people know. Uh, but but that, that reality, as Zechariah is describing it, is of course important, and yet we must focus on the scope as these messengers of God are doing a work, and this work is being revealed to us in a way we can understand that we might see the all-encompassing scope and nature of the work, and then we must ask the questions, what struggles do you have? What struggles do I have? What sufferings are you going through? What sufferings am I going through? Are you having difficulty holding the enemy back? Is your line weakening? Is the enemy yourself? God is patrolling the whole earth. In other words, God knows what's going on in your life. That pain, that crying on the inside because you don't want to do it on the outside because you think you got to act strong for somebody or another. That stress at work that you've held in for years that you feel like it's going to blow and let you keep just, you keep praying. You say, Lord, let me make it through today or let me make it through this week. That dead dog tiredness that gets you to the end of the night where your head slams on the pillow and you know you got to do it again tomorrow. And you know you're not in a good place, but you can't see a way out. Something like last week comes along. Father loses his whole family. It's serious. And it's sobering. And God's work is so all-encompassing that he knows. And he does not leave the knowledge unacted upon. That's where we're going. But we must see that first, that he knows. We must acknowledge it. And we must see it. And with that knowledge, then he acts. And that's our third point. Because God's work is one of comfort to his people. This is the largest chunk, verses 11 through 17. It's the setup, right? 
I know, everybody loves the horses. But, surprise, surprise, this word is about God himself, as is all of God's word, okay? And so as we transition in, we see uh, Zechariah on the side of the conversation. Did you notice it? In verse 11, uh, the angels start talking. Zechariah's like, kind of looking, you know, maybe could you imagine if you're there and you're like, man, like what's going on? You know, I mean, he's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a crazy scene. I get it. But, but this conversation between angels, it it starts, it ensues. And, and here are the high points. The patrol of the whole earth has been done and the earth, which it becomes clear in context is representative of God's enemies are at rest. So when you see that the whole earth is at rest, It's not a good at rest for God's people. It's not a good at rest for those people. In fact, they need a homecoming and a heart check if we were to pull them in to a series like this. Just like God's people need a homecoming and a heart check as we move in this. And so uh, maybe I... As I was thinking about how to explain this, I have, I'm just going to read it. It's corny. It is what it is. The bad guys are sitting in their castles laughing while God's people struggle. It's like that, right? You see it in a movie or something. Ha, ha, ha. We've won, right? This evil, evil is triumphing. There's a laugh. Ha, we're in the castle. We've won. Nothing's happening to us. Why do the wicked prosper? Maybe is a better way we might say that. And it's really exactly what that angel says. Is there no mercy? Is God's anger going to last beyond what he said it would for God's people, which is 70 years? How are these people still still doing their thing? This world, this evil, what is this? And the Lord answered, verse 13, gracious and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. God's work reveals his love for his people. Even in the midst of a world that seems to be caving in around them at the time. Don't we resonate with a world that seems to be crashing in? With with a with a seemingly difficult time even as we move forward together as a, as a people who sin, right? The world starts to bang, bang on the door. Man, what are we going to do? It's right there, right there that God speaks. He speaks. He says, I am exceedingly jealous for my people. In other words, we are his, and he will not allow others to take us. He says, I am exceedingly angry at my people's enemies. In other words, unjust action will be punished. He says, I have returned to my people with mercy. In other words, the Babylonian captivity really was parental punishment meant to teach and not vindictive punishment meant to destroy. He says, my house shall be built. In other words, my presence will be with my people. He says, I will measure this place, this people, 
In other words, God will look upon his people and find them worthy, which we'll get back to in just a moment. He says, my cities will overflow with prosperity. In other words, there is blessing through God. He says, I will comfort Zion. In other words, I will take your troubles and I will take your pain. He says, I will choose Jerusalem. In other words, God's work reveals his love for his people. Because choice is the foundation of love. Okay? God is love. All right? We know what love is, but choice is the foundation. God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus for it. We see from Paul that marriage is about two people choosing one another. How do we know that? Because Paul tells us it's like Christ in the church. And what did Jesus do? Jesus chose you. You are a chosen people. The gospel of the Lord Jesus at its very foundation is that Jesus chose to sacrifice himself for us who believe. Jesus chose to walk that path to Calvary. You know what he said, right? I could call down a legion of angels right now and wipe these people out. And he would have been justified. He had, in other words, two choices. And he chose the path of salvation for his people. And he died on that cross for you and for me. That is the gospel. It is founded on choice. Jesus had a choice. God, as he offers the free offer of the gospel, gives us a choice. Will you believe or will you not believe? It's a choice. There's a lot of nuance there depending on where you fall. But it's still a choice. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. God's work reveals his love for his people. And he comes in comfort. But we must remember as a people of God that this homecoming, this heart check, It's not in a place where everyone is skipping around and laughing. It is sober and it is serious and there is hurt and there is pain. There is sin on the inside. There is sin on the outside. But we must be people who are marked by that very spirit that dwells within us, God himself, that we might move forward honoring the sacrifice of our God for us, living a life of righteousness, not to save ourselves, but because we've been saved. And when we do that, that master general at his war table will say, yes, centennial, and will move us as a vanguard into Columbia that we might be ones who share the gospel in word and deed. He is working, and he will work with us, his people. He will not always pull back. He will not always push forward, but he is working. His scope is that big that he even sees Centennial ARP on Bowling Laurel. (laughs) What are we talking about here? That's crazy. But he's there, and he's here. God's work reveals his love for his people. Remember it. Think on it. See Zechariah. See the homecoming and the heart check. And remember that this is us. 
This, this is God's people, and we are them. Read it anew today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thanks for the, thanks for the truth. God, it, it doesn't seem like we're worthy because we're not. And yet you tell us in your word that you're going to choose us, and you have. And so, Lord, help us to sing praises to your name and to live a life after you, the one who has saved us, the God of the universe, the one who changes us from worse to better. Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.